You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. The words of that song say, Long live the world in sin and error pining. Pining means decline, suffering. Long live the world in suffering and decline because of sin. But then the next line talks about, But then he appeared and showed the soul its worth. Would you pray with me? God, we're here tonight to discover our worth, to rediscover who you've called us to be. God, we've come tonight saying we're tired of suffering, but we want to find victory in you. Jesus, thank you for putting on flesh, being born of a virgin, and making your debut to the earth so that you could set us free, so that we could know our worth. We pray that you would show that to us in a clear way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you go ahead and take your seat? Well, Merry Christmas. That's good. That's good. I want you to respond that way tomorrow when you go see your family or whatever it is you do on Christmas. And somebody says Merry Christmas to you, just say, Woo! <laughs> Man, this is a season of anticipation, uh, and, and I hope that you came anticipating something great to take place in your life tonight. I know we've been planning and preparing for tonight, and, and I really believe that if you came with anticipation, expecting God to do something great in your life, you have an expectant attitude, He's going to do something great in you. Because again, this is a season of anticipation, and, and I feel like people start anticipating Christmas about three weeks before Black Friday. Uh, there's nothing scientific about that. That's just my theory. But, but I feel like people start anticipating Christmas three weeks before Black Friday. We, we start to anticipate the sales, anticipating the deals, anticipating spending time with family, anticipating uh, Christmas parties, anticipating the busyness of the season. Christmas is a season of anticipation. And, and as I think about Christmas movies, uh, there's one movie about Christmas that I think encapsulates the anticipation we feel during this season, and it's A Christmas Story. Uh, now, I didn't say the Christmas story about Jesus. We're going to talk about that a little later. But I said A Christmas Story starring little Ralphie Parker. Uh, how many of y'all know about A Christmas Story? Yeah. See, Ralphie, all Ralphie wants is an official Red Rider Carbine Action 200-shot range model air rifle. That's all the kid wants. Can somebody just get him an air rifle? And, and, and there's a lot of great quotes from that movie, too, um, like, fragile. <laughs> oh, it must be Italian, right? And, and so, but, but this is a movie that is all about anticipation. It's building in anticipation throughout, because from the opening scenes, we see that all Ralphie wants is a Red Rider BB gun. 
And he goes to great lengths to let the adults in his life know that this is all he longs for for Christmas. He tells his parents. He, he writes a paper about it in his class. He even tells a rental Santa at a mall that he wants this Red Ryder BB gun. But every adult in his life says the same thing to him. And you can probably finish the sentence. They say, you'll go ahead and finish it. Shoot your eye out. Yeah, exactly. You'll shoot your eye out. And so Ralphie is, is building with anticipation to get this gun, but he keeps being met with frustration over and over again by the adults in his life who say, no, you'll shoot your eye out. And, and as we watch the movie, it builds in anticipation to, to the culmination point of the end of the movie, Christmas Day, and we're wondering, does he get the gun? Spoiler alert, he gets the gun. <laughs> and if that ruins the movie for you, that's your fault, because it's been out for 32 years. You should have seen it by now. But, but this is a movie that's all about anticipation. And so this is anticipation as we see it in a Christmas story. Uh, but I believe that each and every one of us here tonight uh, have been longing in anticipation for something greater. Not, not, not a BB gun, not even the season of Christmas, but we've been longing in anticipation our whole lives for something greater, for something more. One of the greatest philosophical and spiritual questions that people often ask is, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What's the point of it? And I believe that each and every one of us have been longing in anticipation our entire lives to find an answer to that question that will satisfy. And what I want to do tonight is I want to show you that the answer you've been anticipating has been in front of you the whole time. And the answer is found in Christmas. And so to help us see this answer that we've been anticipating, uh, we need to take a look at a guy who longed in anticipation his entire life uh, about 2,000 years ago. And we see his story at the tail end of the Christmas story. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 25. It's Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have the words for you on the screen. Uh, but if you want to get a Bible for free, you can actually download one on your phone. If you go to the app store on your phone, you type in Bible. The first option that comes up by lifechurch.tv is a great app for you to have. That way you'll have a Bible, and that's another free gift for you. Um, but Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, before we look at this guy's story, his name is Simeon, uh, we need to understand why he was longing in anticipation. Because... The story of anticipation doesn't really start with him. It starts in the beginning. And a good place to begin is always in the beginning. And so in the beginning of human history, as we see recorded in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God creates the heavens and the earth. And then God creates everything on the earth. He creates uh, the plants and rocks and trees and birds and bees. God creates everything on the earth. And then he gets to the point of his creative genius where he's about uh, to create uh, the crown of creation, the, the pinnacle of his creation, and that's humanity. And when God creates human beings, you and me, Adam and Eve, uh, here's what it says about how he created us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so... The story of humanity starts off with commentary on your identity. It says that you and I were created in the image of God, that we were created good. S some of us have this thinking and this understanding that we're not good, but we're bad. 
Some of you tonight, it was a struggle for you to get here because you see your identity as some no good, dirty, rotten, filthy sinner that God could never love. But I came to let you know tonight that you were created in the image of God and you were created good. And that means that you're not a no good, dirty, rotten sinner, but you are good. Some of us, because we have a wrong perception of our identity, have stayed away from God for so long. But what you need to know tonight is you were created in the image of God and you were created good. Now, this is one story about our origin. There's an alternative story that's a theory that says that your origin is a cosmological accident, that you're here by accident. And you and I have the choice regarding the story that we're going to believe about our origins. We can believe that we're here accidentally. And if you believe that, you'll live an accidental life. Or you can believe the story of God that says you were created good in the image of God. And if you believe that, then you'll begin to find a greater purpose for your life. You'll start to find significance and you'll discover a destiny for you to live towards. So we get to choose the story of where we believe we came from. One is a theory and the other is the story of God. And so the story begins letting us know that we were created in the image of God. We were created good. And so what that means is that you and I were created as sons and daughters of God. That you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God and you're good. And then as the story unfolds, it lets us know that Adam and Eve, the first two people that God put here on this earth, he placed them in this garden, the Garden of Eden, and he says to them, the very first words he says to them are recorded in Genesis 2.16. And here's what God says. You're free. You are free. See, some of us have it in our mind that God is a God of limits, that God wants to take away our freedom, but the first words he says to us is you're free. God doesn't want to limit you. He wants to give you freedom. He says to them, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden that you've liked. But basically what he's saying to them is that the world is your playground. I've I've created all of this for you to enjoy, and you are free to eat from any tree in the garden that you like. But then he says, There's one tree that I've planted in the center of the garden. I don't want you to eat from that. That's my tree. You're free to eat from any tree you'd like, except this one. That's mine. Now, when God does this, it's not because he cares about that tree, but it's because he cares about trust. God plants this tree in the center of the Garden of Eden, and he says to Adam and Eve, you're free to eat from any tree that you'd like, just not that one. He does this because he wants to know, will you trust me? Will you trust what I say? Will you follow me or will you rebel against me? Will you trust that I've called you to a greater life, to something more, or will you trust that that your way is a better way? And what Adam and Eve do, if you're familiar with the story, is they eat from the tree. And what that is is rebellion against God. Basically what they're saying is, God, we don't trust you. We think a life without you is better than a life with you. And when that happens, the scriptures teach us that separation takes place between the sons and daughters of God and God. That sin enters the world and sin destroys everything. And everything is, it, the world is in pining, right? It's like, it, it's, it's collapse, it's suffering because of sin. And so you and I were created as the sons and daughters of God. But then we were separated from God because of sin. And you and I would have made the same decision if we were in the garden too. Some people say, man, how come Adam and Eve did that? Well, because we've done that in our own lives. 
Like there have been times in your life, and maybe you're living that way right now, where you've decided that a life without God was better than a life with God. And, and, and maybe you're in that place right now, and because of your rebellion, because you've refused to trust God, you feel separated from Him. Like you might even use that language right now. You would say, I feel so far from God. It's because you and I, we were created as sons and daughters in the image of God, but we were separated from God because of sin. But then God saw our separation, and here's the good news. He said, I see your separation because of sin, but I got a solution, and I'm going to send you a Savior. I'm not going to leave you separated because I didn't create you to be separated. I created you to be my son and my daughter. I created you to live in freedom, not to live in slavery to sin. And so I'm going to bring a solution, and that's a Savior. And for all of humanity, people were longing in anticipation for this Savior to be born. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Everyone is looking ahead to the birth of the Savior, longing in anticipation for it to happen. And this is where we come to Simeon. Because Simeon was one of these people who was longing for the day to see the Savior. And this is where Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, picks up. It says, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Like I said, for all of human history, people were longing in anticipation for the day that the Savior would be born. And here's Simeon. For all his life, which, which is a microcosm of all of humanity longing for the Savior, for him, all his life, he's longing to see the Savior. And it says that he's longing in anticipation for the consolation of Israel. Consolation, uh, console is, is the word there. And so he's longing for the encouragement of Israel, the, the comfort of Israel. He's longing for the redemption of Israel. And not just of Israel, but for himself too. Because here's why. At the time, Israel was a conquered people. Uh, they were conquered by the Roman Empire. And so they were a people who were not their own people. They had freedom, but it was limited freedom. Uh, they, were, they had to pay taxes to Rome. They were abused by Rome. And so Israel wasn't its own nation. It, it was a conquered nation. They were held captive under the oppression of Rome. And there's a connection between Israel and us. Because Israel was held captive under the oppression of Rome, and you and I are held captive under the oppression of our own sin. And we feel this oppression in our own lives. We feel it on a regular basis, and it manifests itself through destructive habits. You feel this oppression when you have a lacking attitude, a poor perspective, when you live in meaningless mediocrity. See, for Israel, they were oppressed by Rome, but you and I, were oppressed by depression, oppressed by debt, oppressed by discontent, oppressed by dwindling hope, oppressed by disease. Y'all like all those D words strung together? And here's the thing, though. When you're oppressed, let me give you another D word, you need a deliverer. In Simeon, his whole life was longing for a deliverer. His whole life, he was anticipating someone who would bring him hope. For Simeon, his whole life, he was longing for something greater, something, some sort of significance and meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life. And Simeon, though he longed in anticipation his entire life, he finally found hope 
And it was found in the person who was the hope of the world. Simeon found meaning in the one who means everything. He found purpose in the progenitor of life. He found forgiveness in the one who was his forgiver. He found significance in the Savior. Simeon was looking for something. He was longing for something. He was anticipating something. And he found it in Jesus. He couldn't find it in anything else but Jesus. And here's why. Here's how. Because Simeon was in the right place at the right time. He was in the right place at the right time. Somebody say right place, right time. He was in the right place at the right time. Simeon was in the temple. Luke chapter 2 verse 27 says this, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. And so Simeon was in the temple. He was in the right place at the right time to meet the Savior. Now, the reason why he was in the right place at the right time is not because he was just passing by the temple, but it's because he made it a priority to be at the temple on a regular basis. If if you look at the description of Simeon earlier, it says that he was a righteous man and he was devout. And what that meant for, for a Jew at the time was that they would make it a habit and a priority to be part of the temple, to go to temple. This is why it's so important to be a part of a church. This is why it's so important not just to pass through church, but to be a part of a church and get plugged into a church and get connected so that you can be in the right place so that you can hear from God and what God wants you to do in your life and that you can discover your destiny. Simeon was in the right place at the right time. And I came tonight to let you know that you're in the right place at the right time. I don't know the the reason why you came tonight, Maybe you came because um, it's just a religious ritual for you to come to church on Christmas, and you said, well, I heard that there's a church at the Norva, and so let me go to that. That might be better than any other option, and so you came out of religious ritual or, or obligation. Maybe you came because you heard an ad on 96X, and you thought, I need to go check that church out at the Norva. I never heard anything like that. Maybe you came because you saw a poster. Somebody handed you an invite card. Maybe uh, you were brought here by a friend, or maybe a friend bribed you to come. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they said, hey, you got to come. There's some cute girls who are going to be there. And you were like, well, I've been single for eight years, so I might as well give it a shot. And I don't know. I don't know. But but can I just submit to you tonight that the reason you're here is not the reason you're here. But the reason you're here is because you have a divine appointment to meet with God, that he planned for you to be here tonight, that it is not a coincidence for you to be at the Norva at 8.37 p.m. on Christmas Eve, but God wanted you to be here because he wanted to let you know that he loves you, that he's been longing in anticipation for you to come back to him, that you were created in his image, that you're his son, you're his daughter, and you were created good. It's not a coincidence you're here tonight, and you're in the right place at the right time. How how many times, how many times do we try and find the right thing in all the wrong places? Like, how many times have you tried to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment and significance in all the wrong places? Like, like how many, how many weekends have you gone out spending money that you don't even have with people who only kind of care about you to try and find meaning in memories that you'll forget tomorrow? See, we try to find the right things in all the wrong places. How many boyfriends have you moved in with trying to find love and intimacy, but it only turned up empty? See, we try to find the right things in the wrong 
places? How, how, how much effort have you put into your job trying to move up and make more money? And then you finally did get the promotion. You finally did make the money. But, but even then, you felt empty. There was something lacking. You needed something. How many times do we try to find the right things in all the wrong places? You're in the right place at the right time tonight. See, Simeon, he was in the right place at the right time. And because of that, he saw the Savior. And, and, and here's what he said when he saw Jesus. So, so he goes into the temple. And the reason Jesus is there, he's only eight days old. His parents are brought in there because they're making the customary sacrifice uh, that you do for a newborn child. And so, so that's why he's at the temple. But Simeon just so happens to be at the right place at the right time. He, he sees Jesus, and he, here's his response to it. He says, Sovereign Lord, this is Luke 2, 29. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so Simeon saw Jesus, and basically he said, I can die now. I've seen what I've been longing in anticipation for. Uh, I've found the purpose I've been patiently waiting for. And because of that, my life is fulfilled now. Some of you would long to have a fulfilled life, and I want to tell you it can only be found in Jesus. Simeon finally found what he was anticipating, and he said, I can die now. I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I found what I've been looking for. You know, when we celebrate Christmas... We celebrate the fact that our eyes have seen the salvation of our souls. When we celebrate Christmas year after year, it's a reminder that our eyes have seen the Savior, that, that He's come. And so this isn't something that we just sing about in cute Christmas carols and say, well, the, you know, that's really nice, the little baby came, and that's awesome, round yon virgin, and all is calm and quiet, and there's a donkey somewhere in a hymn. Or, and, and so we don't just sing about it in Christmas. That's not the point of Christmas. And, and Christmas isn't about the turkey or the presents or the trees or the eggnog, but it's a, a reminder for us that our eyes have seen the salvation of our souls that our eyes have seen the Savior. Every year there's this reminder that the answer we've been longing in anticipation for has been in front of us the whole time. Because you and I were created as the sons and daughters of God. We were separated because of our sin, but the Savior came to restore us back as sons and daughters of God. So our salvation has already come in our midst. And so here's what we do though. Christmas rolls around, and we come in, and we, like, pay homage to the baby. It's like, oh, the baby's so cute. Baby Jesus, hey, we sing some songs to him. And then we're like, all right, see you next year. And, and then, like, we, we go trying to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in all the wrong places again. But he was right in front of us. He, he was right there. The Savior was right there. And we'd say, oh, that's so cute. Bye. And God's like, no, no, no. Christmas isn't just a reminder that I sent my son. What if, what if for you tonight, what if this Christmas, God is trying to say to you, I don't want to just remind you that my son came to save the world, but I want to let you know that my son came to save you. What if this Christmas, God said, I don't want to just remind you, but I want to change you, and I want to transform you from the inside out because of my son and his death for you on the cross.
What if this Christmas wasn't just a ritual for you? What if, what if this Christmas was the time that you could look back in your life and you say, that was when my life transformed. That was when it changed because that was when it clicked. I went to this church and I realized that I was a son. I was a daughter of God. And God loved me so much that he came not so I would be separated by my sin, but to restore me and my rightful relationship with God as his son, his daughter again. Because, I mean, th think with me on this, right? If, if God really is real, if this whole Christmas thing really is true, if there really was a baby born of a virgin, it's pretty miraculous. I mean, if that really happened... Okay, let's just, let's pretend if that really happened and Jesus really did live and history points to the fact that he did live. If Jesus really did live and he really did do all the things that people claimed he did, if he really did heal people and, and restore sight and, and, and feed thousands of people, if he really did do all those things and he claimed to be God and if he really was crucified on a cross under the Roman Empire, and he really did die, not just passed out, but he really died, and he was buried in a tomb, and then three days later, he didn't just resuscitate, he didn't just wake up, he didn't just come to, but he resurrected from the dead. If this really happened, if there really is a God who created this, who created you in his image, and loves you, if all of this is true, then we can't just pass by and say, well, that's really nice, and go about living our life as usual. Because this God demands a decision then. I mean, if this really is true, then the decision that you make about God is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Because not only does it impact your life, but it impacts your eternity forever. I mean, we, we, we can't come and hear the story of Christmas and say, well, that's really nice. And then just, because we don't live in anticipation any longer. He's already come. We live in a state where we have to make a decision about will we reject him or will we accept him. It's not about anticipation any longer. It's about acceptance. And the question I have for you tonight is, what are you going to do with this baby Jesus? Are you going to... Oh, that's so cute. See you next year. Are you just going to hear the story and then go and try and find meaning and purpose in all the wrong places? Or are you going to say, God, you created me as your son, as your daughter. You created me in your image, and I've been separated from you because of my sin, but you sent a Savior, and I want to give you my life and be transformed. I want to live for you because I believe that you died for me on the cross. You rose again from the dead, and I want to give you my life. What are you going to do with the Savior of the world? Because deciding not to decide is a decision in and of itself. It's a decision to reject him. I want to ask you tonight, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the Savior of the world? Because here's what I find fascinating. For Simeon, for Simeon, he wasn't the only one at the temple. 
Like, Simeon was surrounded by people at the temple, but Simeon was the only one who saw the Savior. Everybody else at the temple missed him. He was there, he was in their midst, but they missed him. Because I imagine that when Simeon's at the temple, he's surrounded by all these other people. And I imagine there were probably some people at the temple who were there just out of ritual, just because they felt an obligation. And so they were checking a box and they said, well, I showed up and now God's happy with me. And because they were there out of obligation, they missed the Savior. I wonder, I wonder if that's you tonight. If you came because, well, that's what you do on Christmas and you're here out of a ritual, out of obligation. Listen, I don't want you to miss the Savior tonight. I don't want him to be in your midst and you miss him. I imagine there are probably some people at the temple as well who, who were there and they were just so busy. Like they, they felt overwhelmed in life and they felt so rushed and, and they had all these things to do and they were just kind of getting this out of the way and they just felt so busy and because of their busyness they missed the Savior. Maybe that's where you are tonight. Maybe you feel stretched, so thin, you feel overwhelmed, you're so busy. I don't want you to miss the Savior tonight because he's right in front of you. He's right there. I imagine there were probably some people at the temple who missed Jesus because they thought they had already found fulfillment in life. They had found something and they said, well, my life is pretty good. I mean, things are, things are all right. But what they were doing was they were settling for something less than God's best for them. I wonder if tonight you're here and you would just say, you know, I feel like I've found fulfillment. I feel like i got a pretty good life. I feel like things are going great. I mean, I have meaning and purpose. But listen, if it's not found in Jesus, then you're settling for something less than God's best for you. And I don't want you to miss the Savior who's right in front of you. Imagine that there were people in the temple who were on the outskirts of the temple. The Savior was in, but they were on the outskirts because they felt too bad to approach God. And they thought, well, there's no way that I could go in because if you knew what I've done in my life, if you knew the, the sin in my life, then there's no way I could go in. And, and maybe that's where you are tonight. Maybe you had all sorts of anxiety coming. Somebody said, you got to come check this out. And you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about going to church. And they said, it's at the Norva. And you're like, okay, well, I saw some concerts there and got smashed there. And so, sure, I'll come. I don't know. But I wonder if there were some people on the outside of the temple who missed the Savior, who came to restore them back to the right relationship with God. I want to let you know tonight that wherever you are in life, you're not too far gone from God. God's love can reach you. God's love has brought you here so that you could know just how powerful His love is. See, Simeon wasn't the only one at the temple that day. He was surrounded by people, but they all missed the Savior and he's the only one who saw him. I don't want you to miss him tonight. And so I want to give you an opportunity tonight to make a decision about what you're going to do with the Savior. If, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, the, the one who came to restore you to your right identity as a son, as a daughter of God, 
If you've never accepted him, I want to give you an opportunity tonight to do that. If you believe that Jesus was born, that he lived a perfect life, a life you and I can't live, and he died the death that you and I deserve so that he could take your sin away, so that he could forgive you, so that he could restore you to your rightful identity. If you believe that and you want to give him your life, you want to follow him, you want to say, God, I'm tired of going my way. I want to go your way. I'm tired of eating from the tree. God, I'm ready to trust you. If you want to follow him, and if you've never been baptized into him, you've never been immersed into him, buried with him in the waters of baptism, raising up to a brand new life so that you can live true life, I want to give you that opportunity tonight to make that decision. When you came in, you received a program, and at the bottom of that program was a Connect card. At the bottom of that Connect card, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ and be baptized. If you need to make that decision tonight, the opportunity is right in front of you. Would you just mark that box? At the end of the worship experience, drop it off at the black tables. There's a table with a banner that says, I have decided. We got some people there who would love to talk with you, pray with you, answer any questions that you have, and talk to you about what it means to be baptized into Christ. But don't let this opportunity pass you by. Because I'd hate for you to be in the presence of the Savior and miss Him. If you need to make that decision, would you do that tonight? Don't leave without talking with somebody about that. But, but for others of us in this room, we have made that decision. We have said yes to Jesus. And if that's you, can I just remind you this Christmas that you were created in the image of God. You were made to be His son, to be His daughter. Can I just remind you to live in that identity this Christmas? That you don't have to live in the defeat you've been living in. You don't have to live oppressed by the depression that you're feeling. You don't have to live in captivity of your sin any longer. Because Jesus came to set you free, to say, you're my son, you're my daughter, created in my image, and you're good. Can I just remind you? of your true identity tonight? Hey, if you need to make that decision, would you do that? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much that we were created good. God, I pray for the person right now. This is for somebody. I pray that their whole perspective on themselves would shift right now so that they don't see themselves as bad, as somebody needing to earn your love, but they were created as good in your image. And God, let them know that you've already given them your love. God, there are some people here tonight who have lost their way. They forgot just how special they are in your eyes. Remind them of their worth tonight that they're worth so much to you that you sacrificed your son to let them know. God, would you remind us that the greatest present we could ever receive is one that you gave 2,000 years ago. And we don't have to anticipate that any longer. All we have to do is simply reach out, grab hold of it, and accept it. God, would you change us tonight, transform us tonight, remind us of your great love and grace. 
God, let us know the answer we've been anticipating our whole lives is found in Christmas. It's found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.